0: Stream the show on demand at catchacanradio.com.
1: Unfortunately, today we cannot stream the show live, but it will be available on demand later this afternoon or tomorrow morning. This is Catherine Tatsuda. Welcome to First City Forum. And there was some crazy lightning and thunder that was happening in Ketchikan yesterday. Last night, I was having my business book club with a lovely group of entrepreneurs, and all of a sudden we're hearing this rumbling. And we thought the building that we were in was just going to collapse on top of us, and it turns out it was some lightning and some thunder and there was a lot of chit chat on facebook about you know oh where did it strike it was super close and i got some exciting news for all of you you want to break it to him tracy
2: uh i actually was watching right as the lightning struck the radio tower we were at band practice and i literally had my eyeballs right on it we saw it hit Huge sparks flew out of the top. It knocked the power off at the station, obviously. I had to go flip the breaker and turn everything back on. Luckily, uh, GCI was just here, too, and they said none of their stuff got fried either. So oh, my we're gosh. All, we're all good to go.
1: Wowzers. So official. I It was seen by an eyewitness. And, who and
2: I just sent that my buddy uh, Jeremiah Hanks took. Um, yeah. Uh, he... It, he I mean, it was way far away, but you see it hit the radio tower Okay, sure.
1: yeah. wow. So that lightning strike in Ketchikan last night hit the Ketchikan Radio Center radio tower mm-hmm. that's located down here on Stedman Street. Yeah. Eyewitness, there's video of it. <laughs> Wowzers. I knew it was close. I was like, what is it that's, you know, so many seconds to, like, how, what, yeah. I don't even know what the what it is, but I was like, yeah, we're all yeah. like, okay, that was close. So.
2: Yeah. No, we were standing right out in front of Parnassus Books, so we were, you know, whatever that is, like, Wild. a quarter of a Mile away, probably.
1: Yeah, yeah, and yeah.
2: Hit, hit right away. Uh, we felt like the shockwave. I swear, you could kind of feel like electricity just for like a second. You felt like a weird wow. of buzz of a uh, static. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh! Oh my. Yeah. So was band practice over after uh, we, that?
2: We, we, we unplugged everything. <laughs> okay, and good. Everything off,
1: but then we did end up turning everything
2: back. <laughs> okay,
1: on. Like, I was we waited say, a few minutes. <laughs> good so, job. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, we're gonna get electrocuted. Yeah. So, and then but once you I
2: mean, could blow out your gears. Yeah, so.
1: yeah. No kidding. You could so, ruin all of your equipment yeah. and everything like that. That. Oh, my goodness gracious. All right. You guys heard it on First City Forum. Yeah, really? look up
2: Jeremiah Hanks. Uh, he has a video of it.
1: Yeah, I'll see if uh, Brittany Rickert can share that on the KTKN. Yeah, can oh, yeah, I Tracy like can share that. i send it to you. Okay, I have it. I'll, I will check it out. So, yeah, so we'll share that video to the KTKN Facebook page, and you guys can view that, but how crazy. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, never get, never hardly ever get uh, lightning and thunder and catch can, and then it actually strikes the rate. And Tracy Brown, who yeah. works here. Like is the master of the radio station. Saw it.
2: Me, me, and all my bandmates saw yeah. it. I was the only one actually looking right when it hit. They, right, they all saw the But
1: the, so they it's punch. not just Tracy blowing smoke. Yeah, just yep. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: perfect. Cool. Thank you, Tracy. Right okay. on. All right. I just wanted to start that off. I couldn't believe when Brittany called me. She's like, "Would you please talk about the lightning and thunder and that it actually hit our radio tower?" I was like, "Yes." Can Tracy come and talk about it with us? Because he's saw it and um in also though there is an area-wide gci internet outage apparently because of that lightning strike too which they're working on fixing so if you have gci internet and and it's not going on it's not working i guess that's why so i just know they're working on fixing it we might have some intruders who come walking through the studio coming to like do gci internet work while we're here so in the meantime i have two very wonderful guests in the studio t- today uh Debra Asper with the Ketchikan Wellness Coalition is here with Sergeant of Investigations Mike Purcell. Did I say that right? I think you did. I think I did. Yeah, it sounded right. <laughs> Hello, you two. Hi. How's it going? Hello. Good. Good. So, where were you at uh, for the lightning and thunder experience yesterday? I was leaving the plaza. Were you? Yeah. Did you stop and see it, or was it you were just like doo doo doo? doo I'm going home. I was just
3: like doo doo doo. doo I'm going home.
1: <laughs> yes, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> What's that weird flashing yeah. in the sky? <laughs> yes, it
3: was the hail. Yeah, was, it made it very difficult to. I was talking on the phone. Oh, and I was driving. Oh, hands-free. Don't worry. (laughs)
1: Yes. (laughs) Okay. What's
4: your license plate number? Right.
1: That's right. But uh, I had to
3: hang up the phone, and then it was hailing. I was more focused on the hail than the lightning and thunder.
1: Yeah, the hail was crazy. Yeah. That was wild. Yeah.
3: When I got home, Rita was doing a hail dance.
1: Oh, so we can blame her. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we
4: can blame
3: her. That's so funny. So,
1: where? What were you doing? I was at at?
4: home. Okay. So, and uh, my windows faced right out. Towards uh, in that direction. So I actually saw the lightning. Uh-huh. And the thunder, though, the thunder shook the house. Yeah. My windows were just moving back and forth each time that thunder was uh, rolling through there so it was pretty impressive
1: yeah it was I like I was at the commons and it was we heard it we didn't see the first flash we just heard like this crazy rumble that was so close we literally thought that the building like something was wrong with the roof there was like something going on and then all we did was stare out the window for the next like however many minutes once we figured out that it was actually like thunder and we saw that you know I think it was the second flash of lightning and stuff. So, yeah. 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 And then it hailed. And it was like raining like crazy. And I was like, can it even like lightning when it's raining? I'm really... Anyways, this is my knowledge of weather and stuff like that, which is nothing. So... (laughs) <laughs> Don't come for me to, for advice. <laughs> it was
4: pretty wild, to say the least.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, so we're here to, you know, not just talk about the lightning and the thunder, but we're really we're having a lot of conversations about bringing awareness to addiction and uh, the the drug epidemic that's happening. As you know, we've stated in the past, not just in Ketchikan or the United States, but really around the world. And uh, part of Deborah's job with the Ketchikan Wellness Network Wellness Coalition well I mean all of it really focuses on um, advocating for and doing work to help to promote a drug-free community and in um, Sergeant Purcell's role he's doing the same similar work just in a in a very different capacity from a law enforcement standpoint so I'm um, thankful to have both of you in the studio so that we can have a conversation and we are taking phone calls for this um, I asked in advance uh, Sergeant Purcell to make sure that You know, he was okay with that. So, if you have questions um, or, or just anything regarding, you know, kind of what's happening within with the drugs and stuff, feel free to call in and ask those. 907 247 2000 is the call in number. And he said if he doesn't know the answer, he will or he can't talk about it, he'll just say it. So, you might not get an answer, but it never hurts to call in and ask. So, just throwing that out there. And all right, so what's going on? Yeah, like with, with it, like, you know, what, what can we, how can we start the
3: conversation? Well, so my official title is not nearly as exciting as Mike's. No. But I am the Drug-Free Community Coordinator, which means that my focus is on youth prevention. Um, with that being said, pretty much any efforts in the community can be tied to youth prevention. Um, and so I've been working on um, different Different, different events and different things, and partnering, partnering, and collaborating with different organizations uh, in the community. Um, KPD being one of them, mm-hmm. um, just to bring new things to the community. Um, yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I know.
1: to bring awareness. Uh, we're talking about you know prevention, intervention. What's the there's so peers yeah. is is what you oversee. What when what do all
3: those the, prevention, a, intervention, education, recovery, and support? Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the idea is really for me is to create like a a fun anti drug uh, atmosphere. Um, in, in Ketchikan and in mm-hmm. schools. So um, I'm going to explain this as well as I can. Okay. So studies have shown that children will adapt an anti-drug attitude or um, uh, outlook mm-hmm. if they're surrounded by an anti-drug um, attitude or outlook. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, but they have to be surrounded Pretty consistently, so by influential um, people or things in their their lives, so like parents, schools, community, Um, and so we're working on that. So we're working on getting new a new curriculum into the school. We're working on I'm working on developing um, different events throughout the year so that there's like this circle of prevention. That's uh, that's always being like. There's something to look forward to. There's something that's happening. There's something that's that's always being promoted. That's mm-hmm. a um, that's a prevention thing, mm-hmm. um, as well as just increasing our the the DFC um, visual. Uh, what like, does
1: DFC stand for? Drug free uh, communities. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And so like that's that's basically what I'm doing right uh-huh. now. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay look at you go Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so you're working with uh, with law enforcement I know that you've partnered with the Ketchikan Police Department on an upcoming event titled Hidden in Plain Sight that is actually like a it's like a bedroom you know like a staged bedroom that's going to have paraphernalia and other other storage sort of things um, so that parents and you know individuals can know what to what it actually looks like and what to look for, um, and that's aiding in in the education piece, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that we see in in the news a lot about drug busts that are happening w- within catch can, um, you know, for all sorts of things. What what are you seeing um, on the law enforcement side in regards to to what's happening with with drugs and addiction inside of our community?
4: Well, um, you know, on the law enforcement standpoint, I've been working fifteen years, um, so. It cycles, and it seems to be. Uh, I don't notice, you know, certain drugs gain popularity, or the, the drug that people, right. are, are, are that's just the drug that of choice at the time. So I, that's the cycling I'm talking about. But uh, consistently, I think that the drug problem, obviously, it exists and is here. Um, but it seems to be just a certain percentage of people that we. Typically deal with on okay. the law enforcement side. Okay, a small percentage. Okay, when you look at it compared to the to the city. Right. Um, so I know that when these drug busts happen, and uh, you know it it touches our community, mm-hmm. and, and we're a tight community. So uh, I, I, you know, it affects us all. But I think I just. I like to say that uh, it's a small percentage of people so people don't think that this is just overrunning our city mm-hmm. in that aspect you know obviously we're doing the best we can to try and curb it as best possible we have our obviously our whole patrol Uh, officers are out there doing their thing and they come across these cases but we also have our investigations unit which is uh, where what i'm supervising we have two drug detectives that that's they're dedicated to working and they're working the cases that involve the importation Mm -hmm. more than just like maybe somebody that that is maybe your typical user or addict Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. we're looking to try and you know, get the source uh, right. for, uh, for these people that are bringing it into our community. Right. So that's kind of our focus uh, back there in that sense. Uh, yeah. So uh, right now, I mean, if we're, we're looking at what's what's happening, you know, uh, methamphetamine and heroin are always the seem to be in the mix up front as far as drugs that we're uh, coming across and dealing with. But uh, also recently in the last couple of years, um, fentanyl. Yeah. Has become a, a really big problem. It seems to have overshadowed the other two. Um, it's, but it's so much more dangerous. Um, right. Obviously, I think people have an idea of, of how dangerous it is. Um, from the statistics that I know of, fentanyl is uh, about 500 times more potent than heroin. Um, and, and seems to be the most popular method uh, that they're bringing it into town is in pill form. Mm-hmm. But you can imagine... Um, You know, they say there's supposed to be a certain amount in these pills, but it's being manufactured who knows where, Mm -hmm. you know, certainly not in a controlled environment, Mm -hmm. you know, like a pharmaceutical company or something like that. So it's really hard to tell, like, what kind of dose is in there, you Mm -hmm. know, and I think, unfortunately, that's attributing to a lot of possibly a lot of these overdoses that we're seeing
1: right right right
4: so that's the big thing that's kind of on our forefront is, is this, this uh the fentanyl that's been coming into town
1: yeah yeah That's, it's scary. It's, you know, I've been having conversations and Deborah has been on the air previously. She came on and talked about her trip down uh, to, you went to Washington, D.C. for the drug-free Communities big, like, nationwide conference and talking and learning about, you know, the statistics and learning about this, you know, the rise of fentanyl and how it's being mixed into all of the different products and and that you don't know, you don't know.
4: And it's, it's so dangerous because it can absorb through the, you know, just by touching it. Yeah. And if you're a person that, you know, has no exposure to that, it's not going to take very much. Right. And you find yourself in trouble. So we have to be really careful on these seizures, obviously maintaining our own safety just yes. in handling it yes
1: know? yes definitely definitely so and you know and i know that you said you stated earlier about you know the kind of the drug of choice changes and it was i don't even know how many years ago but like heroin no one had even seen heroin in ketchikan up until you know maybe 10 years ago or so yeah
4: i think the, what that shift came from uh i think uh, the the pills were really popular then the oxycodone yeah but then uh it shifted because those were becoming more difficult either to obtain or abuse. Right. And then it shifted into heroin.
1: Right.
4: And, so, and those other drugs, I mean, methamphetamine, heroin, they're still coming in. We're still uh, investigating people for that and, and having seizures happen. Yeah. You know, it's just the fentanyl is the, the kind of the the front-runner at this point yeah
1: yeah yeah really interesting so tying into you know the work that that Deborah is doing as you know as well and and you're not alone there are are numerous people and organizations who are working towards um, you know supporting this, pr- whether it's prevention and education or providing support for people who are in active addiction, who are wanting to be out of addiction and, and working on recovery, and then tying it into law enforcement and the work that you're doing. How do you see, like how do these two things, or you know this side and the law enforcement side, how do they kind of how do we bridge the gap? How do you guys tie together? other than just coming on the radio and talking well, about it, you know? <laughs> I
4: think this upcoming event is an excellent example of uh, tying it together. You mm-hmm. know, um, be- education seems to be, and I, I agree completely with what you were saying about it. It starts with the youth mm-hmm. at a young age, you know, that they need to know and, and, and uh, cause that's our future. Right. right. And uh, so this event I'm, I'm pretty excited about because we'll be, at least have two of us standing by in this room that people can come parents they can look at it they can ask questions and i think that just knowing what to look for you know
3: because yeah, yeah. you,
4: you can catch those things earlier if your, your your kids or children are possibly you know experimenting in that avenue at least i think the earlier you catch it the much better
1: right uh, that
4: you be off of hopefully addressing it
1: right right. well and even it's not and it's not just for parents it's open to the entire community correct yeah Yeah. and you know and I'm just going to speak from personal experience in you know I had someone that was close in my life that was using but and there were there were some signs that were there but I didn't even know because I didn't know what Mm. to look for I didn't you know and so in my head it was like oh you know like oh no it's he's not oh no he's not but then there were some things and I sat in on a task force meeting for the Pierce task force meeting with um, when uh, Lieutenant Bernston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He spoke and he ran through a PowerPoint that he did for the training on, you know, and we're going to use utilize a lot of that material for the hidden in plain sight and he was going through different things talking about signs of methamphetamine use or heroin and like this is these are the things to look for and I was having some like really emotional responses to this because like I was like oh my gosh <laughs> if I had known I would have known. If that makes sense, you know,
4: that's absolutely true.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think that, and that's one of the things with, with addiction, not just drug use, but alcohol use and anything. It's, you know, it's, and it's, there's a, there's something that I saw where it was like, you know, draw a picture of like a drug user and, you know, and there's these stereotypical images of what that looks like, but it, it's, it, there's such a broad range of people who use who are in addiction whether it be like heroin or prescription medications or anything like that and so and ev- all of us in some capacity have a loved one who who is touched by
3: this you know well and that's another partnership that everybody who is um, health care providers um, KPD people who work with nonprofits like all the people who are helping um, um, in this like the the people who are helping addicts in whatever capacity mm-hmm. um, uh, lowering the stigma mm-hmm. like having these conversations because I was I was not homeless when I started using you know we've talked about this before right. my dad was a judge my mom's a uh, uh, educator and um, yeah, like it's it's not there isn't one way that people become addicted to drugs. There isn't one type of person, there isn't one um, specific race or gender or whatever that becomes an addict. And mm-hmm. so opening these conversations and seeing that it's like all kinds of people are having these conversations and it's being talked about and it's being um, not like normalized, but mm-hmm. it's these it's it's being discussed and people are out there and they're being they're getting clean, and recovery is happening. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
1: And efforts are being made yeah. to to stop the inflow mm-hmm. or to slow it down to, right. you know, to help to keep people safe. And, uh, you know, so all of those things. And it does take, it takes a large group of people. It takes a village. Mm-hmm. It takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. It takes a village to create a community. It takes a village to, you know, mm-hmm. help to work through this, you know, this real epidemic that, that happens. So I, uh, I wanted to, I had a couple things and I can't remember one of them. But the other one I wanted is like, so, okay, so it goes into, you know, having conversations, you started the conversation, you started this with, you know, creating a a space where there is an anti-drug or drugs are bad culture culture. Inside of the community With influential people With teachers And and maybe it can't be parents Because maybe parents Are struggling with You know Whatever it is They're struggling with Or they're too afraid To talk about it Or don't want to talk about it With their kids Whatever But so all of the Different touch points That impact somebody's That influence A child's life Or even an adult's life Right So what are some ways So you mentioned That you want to do A curriculum You're doing some Different activities But you know what are ways that just maybe someone in their everyday life could go about that and exhibit that type of, uh, of belief system, you know, and um, to help to make a difference in their circle of influence.
3: Um, Well, you can educate yourself. Yeah. You um, can definitely understand what, what, um, substances look like, what substances look like in somebody. Um, uh, Know what resources are available in Ketchikan. Um, And not just like resources, I mean like we all know the big resources, right? But like um, I found that while I was doing a community readiness assessment, like a lot of people didn't know that Vivitrol was a thing here. And that there's Suboxone, um, there's medicated um uh, assisted medicated treatments um that are not that are here all the time it's not just ideal options mm-hmm. um you know get narcan trained mm-hmm. have narcan on you um
4: i think uh, some of that is already happening on my side mm-hmm. law enforcement we uh, there is a, a lot of community involvement we get Lots of calls, and we encourage those calls. That if anybody sees anything that's going on that just doesn't look quite right, they think it's a drug deal. They think just something suspicious. Right. Um, I, I say it over and over again. Just to, I encourage the public, you know, the community to call those things in. Um, we have no problem. That's part of our job. We go to those calls. You know, and unfortunately, a lot of times people will will still call us, but they call us after it's already happened, maybe oh, a day or two later because they're yeah. not sure if they want to bother us with that type of thing. Please bother us. Mm-hmm. We're here. We're here for that type of thing. Mm-hmm. So I just encourage people to to call those things in. You know, maybe you're not dialing nine nine one one. You're right. just calling the business line and speaking to an officer, uh, and just explain what what you saw or what what you're concerned about. Right. Um, it's huge. I, I I can't count how many investigations uh, that were began because somebody just called and said something weird is happening over here. You might want to check it out. And then it turns into. You know, a successful investigation where we wind up, you know, seizing drugs and that type of thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, what's the? I, and you guys might not have the answer. It's pro- might not be the best uh, people to ask. But you know, okay. So, I don't want to bother you, or there's a fear of, well, uh, you know, being a rat or being a stitch or getting somebody in trouble. But like, they know that it's that it shouldn't be happening, or I don't know. I, like, what's the path? So, if some, if an investigation happens and somebody gets arrested. And you know, is I think is the goal to just punish them or is the goal to actually like assist people in, in recovery and a better quality of life? Is that's kind of a tough question or does it, it depend?
4: It is. It's probably, you know, <laughs> mine's gonna lean more one way and yours yeah. is gonna lean another. And that's kinda why we're in we're we're sitting here today, right? right. In partnership. I'm,
3: yeah. I mean I can when I went through treatment, like that's having to get rid of like your street mentality, which is like I can speak to like a treatment-based um answer to that yes but it is yeah. like um it's m- like not thinking about getting somebody in trouble it's more of um like kind of i don't even like just thinking about what's best right for yourself like so like when you're on the street and you are thinking like oh I'm gonna be like it's uh it's it's self-serving mm-hmm. um and so um just kind of I don't know I don't really I'm not explaining myself very well
1: I think um, I understand what you're saying but <laughs> I think it's just very it's a it's a difficult situation and it's a sticky it situation is. yeah it
4: yeah. is uh, on yeah. our side you know if, I, if I'm if we're interacting with someone who's in trouble you know but they're in trouble and and it's not going away so to speak it's not like you know I'm going to cut someone a warning for you know bringing ounces of right (laughs) well don't do
1: that again
4: (laughs) but that doesn't mean we can't because you know as law enforcement officers and you've probably talked to officers before uh, about the different hats that we tend to wear Mm -hmm. uh, just nature of the job you know it doesn't mean we don't have a conversation with that person I've had those conversations with in trouble but maybe you talk to them with more of a counselor attitude mm-hmm. not that we're trained counselors but I mean we're human mm-hmm. you know and this person in front of me is human Right. so uh, that's, I think it's an important way to look at those things because trying to understand it. you know there's so many other things going on in their life other, that brought them to that point where right. now they're sitting you know in our interview room uh, right. F- facing charges. Facing
1: charges, yeah. facing a, a scary, scary situation that they probably spent a lot of time trying to avoid. Probably. Yeah.
3: I think it was choice theory that I was trying to <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically what he was talking about. Yeah. Just like um, a sequence of choices that you made. Um, and yeah. that
1: there's consequences to them. But then I, I appreciate that you brought up that the different hats that you that you do wear as uh, an officer, as an investigator, because it is you, they're human, they're still people. Mm. And to, to come from a place of compassion and empathy, while also knowing that there are boundaries, and that there are consequences, and there are things that have to happen. That's, I think that that's an important thing to recognize to be aware of and i really do appreciate you saying that because that hasn't been brought up previously and you know but i haven't interviewed a lot of people you know police officers outside of shop with a cop or whatever <laughs> you know so
4: <laughs> well when we have such a good relationship with our community as a whole I yeah. think um we've worked hard uh, on both sides of the community and and kpd to to just maintain that relationship so yeah. it's important we all have to work together uh, to keep this community the way we like it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, I want to ask you both you're both parents, I'm a parent, about having, so. And I know that you're hoping to have this, and I think you said to have this be a part of the Hidden in Plain Sight event is for professionals to be there to talk to people about how to talk to their kids about drug use, right? Okay, we're not professionals. We are professionals through experience of being parents. And, you know, how do you address the subject? This is coming just from a personal story, your own personal self, but how do you address this, this issue with your children and, you know, and, you know, and you have very different experiences. Deborah, you know, was, uh, what is a recovering addict, you know, and you are a law enforcement. <laughs> and, and I am talk on the radio. You know? <laughs> so they're all a little bit different, but I'm just curious about how you have those conversations and how you talk with your kids about that.
4: Um, I mean, I try to be as just upfront as I can, you know, open. Communication, I mean, that's what it's all about. Right. You know, and I know, and it, it's obviously, you have to ter- talk a certain way to your six-year-old versus your 15-year-old, yeah. you know. And uh, the 15-year-old probably not going to say but two and a half words to you. Right.
1: <laughs> in my experience. <laughs> my 14-year-old says, I'm not dumb mom. <laughs> yeah.
4: and Yeah, yeah, I know this. And uh-huh. I know everything in the world. But, you know, I think we, as parents, I'm sure we, we have to remind our kids over and over again that, you know, we're there. We're available. I mean, what else can you do besides communicate with them in that manner? Yeah, to, and, and watch for signs, obviously. right? So, and that's kind of where I stand with it. It's right. just. Checking in with your kids constantly.
1: Yeah, um, and keeping the conversation going exactly. about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, hey, someone's calling in. So we have two pairs of headsets, unfortunately. We'll give ahead. it to, uh, to um, yes, okay.
4: Or they can ask what the call's about, and maybe That's a, true. I'll switch. Yeah, That's true. there
1: we go. Thank you for calling into First City Forum. This is Catherine with Sergeant of Investigations, Mike Purcell. Who are we speaking with? Uh, we're speaking with Jay. Hi, Jay. I How can't. are you? I
0: can't hear Pretty good. Um, you said something about communication. Somebody used the word communication.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I was wondering if uh, law okay. enforcement has ever had an opportunity to listen to uh, people tell their stories. Uh, you know, it's kind of a touchy thing, I guess, to have law enforcement hear somebody's story. But, uh, you know, there's place, there's. Places where people tell their story about their uh, recovery. And I was wondering if uh, law enforcement officials have ever uh, made a point to listen to people's stories. Also, um, is there a detox in this town? Anyway.
1: Okay. I will let. Relations. Oh no. Yeah. That's. You can stay on the line. Um, that you just stay on the line if you want to keep talking. Otherwise, yeah. Um, but I'll let. Uh, I'll let uh, Sergeant Purcell answer your questions. Sure.
4: So the first question uh, you asked about if we've ever had people tell their story, um, and we have. Uh, I personally have heard the story from a couple, at least probably three different people uh, that come to mind immediately for me, um, and some of them were just just because. We were talking, and another one was we were, we had put together uh, some uh, community events and where we were looking for someone, I guess, speaker to speak to. It was for the youth. I can't remember the name of the function we were, we were putting mm-hmm. on. But he was speaking to the youth about his journey and his, you know, how he got addicted and how he came out of it and how long he's been, you know, drug-free. So I think – it w- I, th- I believe it's impactful when you have that, a real person in this community that says, this is my story. Mm-hmm. And so we have listened, and we do listen to those things. And I think they're really important, especially if we're putting on some type of event, uh, trying to, to reach the kids. They, the kids need to hear that from someone from here. I think it's important.
1: Absolutely. Are you still there, Jay? Yeah. Okay, I just... Was there a reason why you asked that question? I I just was curious.
0: Well, it, uh it you know to hear it from somebody who's been through it is, is uh, resounds more. Than, yeah. Than, uh, you know, listening to clinical jargon. Yes. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with clinical jargon. But, no. Uh, you know, it's the one's own experience. It's it's the truth about oneself. And uh, the other question was this. Is, is there going to be a detox in this town, or is there a detox in this town? Is there a need question for a detox?
1: question is, is there a detox? Are there plans for a detox? I'm, uh, Deborah doesn't have headphones, so she couldn't hear, uh, so I'm just repeating that for her.
3: You can answer it. She's shaking her head. <laughs> oh, uh, is there? are there plans for a detox? That's actually um, that's a little outside of my um, expertise, if I um, – that would be something um, a medical detox facility would be something that needed to be facilitated by a uh, medical facility. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I because I deal mostly with just um, prevention, I don't have an answer for your question. Um, unfortunately, I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm but. sure that
1: there's we can ask. I mean, you
3: know, people, yeah, I mean, you could, you could. Um, ask, I think if you went to a city council meeting and asked, they would, they might have an answer for you. Um, I mean, as far as I know, there aren't any solid plans for a detox center at this time. I have not heard of any, any immediate.
4: And I don't know of any of that. I mean, formal, you know, yeah. centers that just s- specialize in that manner for people. Yeah. You know, obviously if someone needs medical attention, You got to go to the hospital, whatever the problem is. If it, if you're detoxing, that I mean, that happens.
1: Right, and that that happens a lot on detoxing from you know multiple substances, whatever. Yeah,
4: but a a specialized facility. I'm just not aware of one myself either.
1: Yeah, I know that the conversation. I, I don't know if it's ever been like talked about seriously at like the city level you know but I know that the conversations have happened or they've floated around I've seen posts on Facebook I've seen you know there's a, there's a lot of people who, who you know we need to have a detox facility this is really important I know there's a lot of people who, would, who are proponents for it but I don't you know and I don't know what the holdups are with that but it is an important part of the entire process of the big picture of you know yes. of prevention and education up into you know active use and recovery and that is an important process in in going from active use to to be to the very early stages of recovery yeah yeah yeah. so well thank you so much jay was uh did you have anything else that you wanted to ask no that's it okay yeah i appreciate you you calling in have a great day okay you do okay bye-bye you're welcome to call in if you have any comments or questions, 907-247-2000, and we will answer them the best that we can. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it is interesting because it, there are so many levels. It's, it is like a, an onion with many, many, many different uh, layers of complexity, and we're, we're dealing with, you know, human behavior and choices and uh, outside influences and going back to culture.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: When you were talking about culture and creating, you know, like an anti-drug or a drug-free positive culture. Oh, we have another caller. It made me think just even of like an organizational culture right. that, that, you know, that you create to have a positive team and positive customer service experience. It takes many people to make that happen. Yeah. Okay. We're going to answer the phone. <laughs> Thank you for calling First City Forum. This is Catherine and uh, Sergeant of Investigations Purcell. Who are we talking to?
5: yeah this is glenn and uh hi glenn uh, somebody that's uh, very anti-drug i'm glad to hear your guests on there uh today one thing i think would help to get more public uh, participation as far as the enforcement part if someone could call in and be anonymous when they do it <clears throat> i know of two cases the first thing they want to know is what your name is what you when were you born and, uh, and then you say well. Can this be kept confidential? And, well, we don't guarantee that. And so consequently, I think that if they had it set up to where you could just give the information and remain anonymous, I think they would get a lot more public um, participation.
4: Well, I, c- I can comment on that. Yeah. I, we do obviously take uh, any information, whether it's anonymous or not. Um, Obviously, if it's not anonymous, you know, it, we might be able to utilize that differently than if, like, if we had a person to attach it to. Um, but certainly, we're not going to turn away people uh, if they want to be anonymous. They just, usually that's one of the questions, at least when they're calling the catch camp Police Department, that's what I can speak to. They'll ask you right, if I- you want to be anonymous, and if you do, so be it, and we'll just write it down in that manner. We don't want to discourage people from... Uh, providing that information because maybe by itself it might not have what we call a lot of weight, you know, but maybe you're the fifth person that called. So we have five anonymous people saying that this is going yeah. on, so that changes, that can change things for us. So I, I really encourage people to call even if they don't want to be identified.
5: Well, it, but uh, the problem, I don't know about the catch camp police there, but in two instances that I'm aware of with the troopers, uh, well if you don't give us this information we're not gonna take your information. And I thought, God, this is defeating the purpose
4: of it. Yeah, and I'm not sure what their, you know, policy or procedure are, um, but I can tell you uh with our investigations unit or with the K- catch Ketchhand Police Department, if you want to be anonymous, that's not a problem with right, us. We just that's
0: the way it should be.
4: We don't tell, we don't ask who you yeah. are or, or what your name, your birth date or anything, just uh, the information you have and, and all the details involved there.
1: That brings up yeah, and just, oh, go ahead, Glenn. Yeah. I'm sorry.
5: No, that uh, two instances that I know of, that was what happened. It wasn't with the Ketchikan Police Department, but uh, and you know, another birthday and who you are, and said, "Well, I just have some information that I'd like to pass on." Well, we just can't pass it on unless we know who you are. Uh, I thought, well, this uh, really is defeating. Yeah, that's
1: everything. very defeating. That
5: of brings the whole up. Thing and I, then when you ask them. Can this be kept confidential? Well, we can't just guarantee that. Huh. Well, there, of course, there's no guarantee, but they could say we certainly do our best not to, you know, keep it right. confidential.
4: Um, sure. Well, I'm sorry you got that happened in those scenarios, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, and it, I think that that brings up an interesting point. So we live on, you know, in, in Ketchikan, which has an interesting governmental structure <laughs> where, you know, so Ketchikan Gateway Borough encompasses the, you know, the whole island, even outside in some areas. And then the city of Ketchikan has its own boundaries. And the Ketchikan Police Department oversees the boundaries of the city of ketchikan while the alaska state troopers are then uh responsible for the outer for the for the borough areas
4: in general in i mean general, that, you know the, the cases will cause those lines to cross yeah to cross yeah. which is not we don't run into issues about it it's just the way it happens especially yeah. if if like some of the guy uh the, the detectives under me are working a drug case and it takes them outside city the limits, it's not a problem. Okay. Vice versa, the troopers have a case that works into the yeah. city limits it's just the way it is but in general
1: right okay they're
4: responding to those calls were responding yeah. to these ones so
1: i i'm just you know so if somebody were so you know he called the state troopers and and kind of and ran into these roadblocks or he knew people who did and and um we could call the police department with the police department be able to share that with them or pursue that in any way or we
4: could certainly take take the information okay and, and i don't know if passing it on to the, the troopers, you know, okay. we might find the same
1: uh, right. issue. I right. I can't
4: speak to their, their policies, right. but if if it's anonymous, whether it's in town or out of town, uh, I think you're fine calling us. You okay. know, we may direct it to the troopers. That's possible. But okay. it depends, I guess, on the, the type of information we're talking about, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Awesome. All right, I have another caller calling in. Thank you so much, Glenn. I appreciate it. You bet. Okay, you take bet. care. Thank you for calling First City Forum. This is Catherine and Sergeant of Investigations Purcell. And uh, Miss Asper, who are we talking to? Mike. Hey, Mike, how are you?
6: Pretty good. Good. Hey, just a couple of comments. Like, I think throughout the years, I've noticed it has been like a million people have died from the drug overdoses since the 80s from the methamphetamines and stuff. But uh, do we still have like a drug sniffing dog? That'd be one question. Um, just how tough would it be to be at the airport, to be snipping the luggages, to try to find the stuff before it spreads into our town, you
4: know? Yeah, I, we do have uh, a canine. We don't. Uh, the K- Ketchikan Police Department doesn't have one right now. Um, we had one, and it was retired. Um, but I know the Alaska State Troopers locally has a drug-sniffing dog. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I think that's something that, as a department, we're working on mm-hmm. to see, you know, if It's something, of you know, like um, the values,
6: how many lives are dying every day or every year in our town from the drug overdoses. then how many families will never see those children or whoever at the supper tables anymore or anything like that. The effect of that. And it's just, I don't know, uh, I've watched it on YouTube and stuff like methadone clinics. There's only a handful of those down in the Seattle area, and it's usually the NIMBYs don't want it in their backyard to be built to see a lineup of hundreds of people trying to get their methadone, little cups of liquids, that's gonna stop the craving, I guess, might have to do it once or twice a day. You know, Just like with this town here now, nobody wants to build anything for the homeless anywhere because they don't want them in their neighborhoods. So that's what we have to look at. And maybe that's what you guys should look at is what this cost is doing, you know, from the drug addiction to our community and stuff.
4: Yeah. And I and I it
6: affects I, a lot. You know, like I'm not a rocket scientist, but I noticed, like, if I could sit in a bar, I could watch people come and go and uh, who does what, you know, just sitting there drinking a beer. I've seen it, you know, to uh, be that easy to, hey, sniff the person out with a dog or whatever, you know, but, or a cop sits there. But a friend of mine, uh, Chuck Bellin Sr., he made a comment with my parents a long time ago. He was the chief of police back in the days, and that's where he said, well, they used to walk around the streets instead of just driving around and hit all the bars, and they've seen the curb action that goes on into the bars that way, you know, catch things sooner. Then another one, too, I've lived here all my life. Uh, Heroin was here in the 60s and 70s when I was growing up, so... Not like it just got here; it's been here. But yeah.
4: Yeah, I there's think some it's comments to you guys. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate it. I mean, it's it's an ongoing.
1: It's an ongoing conversation right. and an ongoing. It's just an ongoing issue. Looks like
6: uh, this town seems to kick the can down the street too many times. They do that with the drug problem, the homeless problem, you know, and it's never going to stop. Looks like so we do build housings for the people or. Finally, spit out the money instead of uh, worrying about turning over a house to get rich. You know, instead of trying to help out our children or whoever else that needs affordable housing. Which, if they can't afford it, then maybe they get into the drug world or the alcoholic world. You know, so, just well, my comments. Thanks.
4: I appreciate them. Yeah, I, yeah. I, they, I
1: appreciate you calling in. It's I think it's important to hear you know different people's perspectives and thoughts and experiences and and all of that because. As you said, you know it, it this affects everybody in in one way or another, and I think that there are a lot more people who want to solve it, but uh than there are who want to be helpful, but you know it's kind of like sometimes we it's feel helpless it's their fault
6: they got addicted into it, that's your children or relatives or friends and once you start doing this product, I guess maybe you crave it more and more, then you just can't get off of it, but
1: yeah. We can't
6: blame them for their situation, but we should do our best to try to help them out to get over it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the comments. You have a great day, okay? Thanks. Uh Bye-bye. Um, I wanted to talk before we were done, um, talk a little bit more about the hidden in plain sight uh, um, event that's happening on April second at the mall. But before we do that, I want to talk about Narcan. Let's talk about Narcan. Um, what it is, how people can use it, why it's important to help. You know, with what Mike was just saying, he was talking about people losing lives and you know these overdoses and things like that. So Narcan and having a kid available can help to can help to. Create that and if you want to take that away because I know that's a big part of what you do
3: yeah Deborah. so narcan is a drug that will um temporarily stop an overdose from opioids um I just said the, that it was a drug but it is not dangerous um it is not habit forming you can narcan um anybody and it won't hurt them. So if you find somebody who is on the street and you are unsure of why they're laying on the street, unresponsive, you can Narcan them. And if it is not because of an opioid overdose, it won't hurt them. Um, so, but if it is because of an opioid right, overdose, then it will save their lives. Um, the, th- it is temporary though. So you have about 20 to 45 minutes before um, somebody could go back into an overdose and possibly die. So it's important to remember that you want to Narcan somebody, roll them over on their side, call 911. Um, most Narcan kits now come with two Narcans in them. So if they're unresponsive by the time you are done calling 911, Narcan them again.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, the Catch Wellness Coalition has Narcan kits available for free. Yeah. As well as the KIC Behavioral Health Services. Um, I think TSS has them. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. What's the – there's a little clinic that's inside of TSS uh, that uh, – Serenity, um, Serenity. Serenity Health, health, and, health and Wellness. wellness. Uh, yeah. legacy, legacy Health. Has them, mm-hmm. yeah, and we are actually so through my position with Tongas Federal Credit Union and overseeing the activities at the Commons, we've partnered with Deborah and are offering free community Narcan trainings. Um, we've been this is this upcoming Saturday we will host our last one for March. This will be our third one that we've done this month, and um, and it takes about ten minutes or so to get trained on how to use the kit, and then you get to take a kit or two with you when you leave mm-hmm. and you can have your questions answered you know you can just come in and so anytime between 12 and 2 p.m. on Saturday the 26th at the Commons which is located at 2106 Tongas Avenue uh, we have another caller okay let's take it thank you for calling First City Forum we just have a couple minutes left what's your name
7: my name is Sheila
1: hi Sheila what can we do for you
7: I was calling to chat with Debra and Kathy,
1: I think, right? Yeah, Deb. Yep. Okay. Debra has oh. headphones on now, so she can hear you. <laughs>
7: <I'm> <laughs> Hi. Sorry. Sheila. I'm sorry. For some reason, I don't know what I was thinking. but um, So I just wanted to say that I'm really happy that we have this Narcan, everything going on. I'm glad that we have the resources. But so how would we push everyone to carry around Narcan? I guess what I'm pretty much saying is, if you were a user, how would we be able to make someone using feel comfortable receiving Narcan from our resources? Good like, question. I don't that, know.
3: That is a good question. I just question.
7: Know some people, like, that might be a really big insecurity, might be stopping them from getting that resource. Yeah, so I just.
3: Yeah, so um, Legacy Health, that also does uh, Suboxone. They carry, she carries Narcan, Jesse carries Narcan. Catherine and I did a formal online training. Mm -hmm. So people who are in active use do not have to come down um, to do an in-person training. Um, Serenity Health and Wellness. uh, She carries um, Narcan and she also does Vivitrol. Like we are trying really hard to get Narcan to the places where people who are in active use are already going. Um, I know that I um, am not one of those in one of those places, but I am happy to go and meet people, no matter the circumstance. The no matter the circumstances, yeah. I am trying to have um, get it to where the homeless shelter also has, like they carry Narcan supplies, um, that is the and norm. then.
7: glad to hear that and then i'm also
3: encouraging people who are in active use not to use alone make sure that you have somebody who there to just uh who can use the narcan kits
7: Mm
3: -hmm. um yeah but if anybody has any suggestions like i'm always looking for suggestions always looking for ways to be better so
1: yeah, yeah. I want to talk really quick. I appreciate you calling in and asking that question because that is a really, really important question. I'm just going to fill uh, <laughs> Sergeant Purcell in. She asked how we could get Narcan into the hands of people who are actively using. And um, and so we did do, Deborah and I did a, a Facebook, on Facebook, on the Commons Facebook page. We did a Facebook Live. It got shared to the peers group. It got shared, I think, in other places, too. And it isn't a formal training on Narcan, so people can watch it, and then they can come in and get a kit. It's very easy. Oh, and um, and so so it's available on Facebook. I know not everybody is on there, but 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 in catch can that is the, one of the best ways to get it to the largest amount of people most easily. So that's where that's at. So if you have people in your life or you know people who are actively using, share that with them. Let them know. And, and during the video, we said, you know, I think we should have said it sooner. We do said it at the end, but we really should have said it sooner in that this is a shame-free zone. Like. Mm-hmm. We will not judge you if you are currently using, if that is where you're at in your life, and we will not judge you. We want you to be safe, and um, and so that's and I know that that's all so much of what Deborah talks about. We're going to talk next week with her and Jesse Pilcher about harm reduction because we want people who are using to be able to be safe. So, cool. yeah. Yeah, and we know that the shame and the stigma and everything that goes into it can prevent people from from getting yeah. those resources. So, yeah, yeah. Thank well, you perfect, so much.
7: Yeah. yeah, no problem. I'm, I'm really happy that you guys are doing all this, and thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Yes,
1: absolutely. Thanks, Sheila. Yep, bye-bye.
7: Yep, bye.
1: All right. I appreciate that. Yeah, so Narcan. Narcan is a phenomenal resource that it takes 10 minutes or less to get trained on how to use. Very small kit. You can carry it around with you. Even if you never think you'll need it, maybe you will. And um, if you are actively using, just take some with you. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah, so Hidden in Plain Sight event is happening April
3: 2nd. Tell us real quick the details of that, and then we're going to say goodbye for the day. Um, It is an educational event for parents and adults. Um, KPD is going to walk through a mock bedroom um, and sort of talk about uh, paraphernalia, drugs, show parents um, some hiding spots, show parents um, some storage, like, Popular storage containers that look like regular items. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to have um, some pictures, some facts, some um, just a lot of information surrounding substances. We're also going to have some professionals there to talk about how to talk to your kids about substances, how to approach your kids. If you think they're using um, how why. Conversations and interaction is part of prevention. Um, We're going to have lots of resources. Um, So
1: in the mall, where is it located at? In suite 203. 203. So upstairs, it's where the Tatsuda's little guy market Mm -hmm. was way back couple of years ago yeah. yeah and um and so it's up above it's on the second floor on the taco end uh side, taco time end of the mall and if you have children you uh because nobody under 21 yeah. is is allowed in there because it is an adults only situation yeah. because there will be actual stuff <laughs> um and so if you do have children they can bring them there's some child care that yeah. will be available yeah. is that correct yep yeah yeah, so don't let that stop you yes. from coming. No. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you both. I really appreciate you taking the time, um, Sergeant, Sergeant of Investigations Mike Purcell. Lovely to see you. I appreciate you, you coming well. on and thank sharing. You. Yeah, and Deborah, it was always nice to have you on. This is a really important topic that you know impacts all of us in one way or another. All right, that's it for me, you guys. My name is Catherine Tatsuda. It is always a pleasure to share time with you. I hope you have a great rest of your week, and I'll be back next week. Take care, you guys. Bye-bye.